The Daily Rios, for Wednesday, August 22nd, 2012. New Comics Wednesday. But the Invisibles and the kind of shamanic approach to say, well, we can all have that same experience. We can all go there, we can all go in the desert, we can all lie near to death. I was living it, you know, I'd become the character. I was wearing the clothes, I was going to the places, I was doing the things, I was doing the rituals, I was hanging out with the gods and then putting it back in the comic and then being affected by what was in the comic. So yeah, I mean, in terms of re- reality, that one was the, the actual deal, you know, that one was bringing me to the, the verge of death. It is a new Wednesday and there are quite a number of interesting things coming out today at your local comic shop. Check them out if anything sounds interesting. Let's jump right in with Dark Horse Presents number 15. The original Dark Horse Presents anthology series was quite famous for a long time for introducing many of their properties in some of the earlier issues, and they are continuing with the second volume, and they're up to issue 15 right now. It is $7.99. In this latest issue, there are two things that caught my eye. First up, Arvid Nelson is continuing his Rex Mundi tale that started at Image and then moved on to Dark Horse, and now he's continuing it here in Dark Horse Presents. Also, Mike Barron and Steve Rude are delivering new Nexus material. I talked in a previous episode how I have yet to read any Nexus, and there is a trade that has either come out or is coming out collecting early Nexus stories. And here they are uh, creating some new stuff. So Dark Horse Presents 15. Check that out. From IDW, Starstruck, trade paperback, $34.99. The blurb here reads, The classic galactic-spanning saga of Starstruck, the renowned stage play, radio drama, heady science fiction classic, continues in a beautiful trade paperback, collecting all 13 issues of the completely remastered series by Elaine Lee and Michael Kaluta. 360 pages, galactic girl guides, adventures, covers, pinups, glossary postcards, and so much more. A comprehensive collection of the material in one volume. The beautiful book features some of the finest art ever to put to paper by Kaluta, including many pages that were never printed in the original run. Additionally, Kaluta painstakingly added approximately 20% of art to many pages to ensure the aspect ratio of the comic would be consistent and correct. The end result is unlike anything you've ever experienced. A a head-spinning, snaps-snapping, soul-searing ride to a world like no other. I missed this on my initial look-through of what was coming out today. I've certainly heard about it. I've seen a few pages of it here and there online and in advertising, so I I have to add this to my list. From Image, Profit Trade Paperback, Volume 1, Remission, $9.99. That's it's only 10 bucks. collects the first five issues of Profit, which turns out to be issues 21 through 26, and those are the first five issues of this rebooted series. And the blurb here, on, distant, on a distant future Earth, changed by time and alien influence, John Prophet awakes from cryosleep. His mission? To climb the towers of Thalivan and restart the Earth Empire. News of the Empire's return brings old foes and allies out of the recesses of the vast cosmos. And this is by Brandon Graham, with art by Simon Roy, Farrell Dalrymple, Brandon Graham, and, so, and, and others. 
I've been enjoying this series. It really is unlike anything else on the stands right now. It certainly has influences in other work and other comic work and other comic art. But if you want something quirky and challenging and interesting, sci-fi by way of indie comics, it, it's just its hard to explain, but it, it really is a fascinating book. So check that out. From Marvel, we have Volume 2 of the John Byrne Namor Visionaries, a series I have never read. This one collects issues 10 through 18. It's $24.99. And this one from the blurb says, Namor reforges alliances with his fellow invaders, battles long-forgotten foes from World War II, and begins to unravel the mystery of immortal Iron Fist and current defender Danny Rand all while dealing with the most insidious force of all, corporate scheming and subterfuge. It's starring Captain America, Spitfire, Union Jack, the original Human Torch, and more. There are people out there who I know enjoy this series, and like I said, I've never read it, so I really should think about picking up those two volumes. And Because I've read a lot of John Byrne stuff over the years. He's not my favorite creator, he's not my favorite writer, but I, I enjoy reading his body of work just because. And I believe somewhere along this this series, whether the it's the covers or maybe after John Byrne, Jay Lee really starts to kick in. Like maybe this is some of the earliest Jay Lee stuff that we've seen. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to look that up. But I seem to recall something like that. From Secret Acres, we have Only Skin by Sean Ford, $21.95. He was an artist and creator that was featured in the Awesome Anthology and listed among the best comics of the year by Indie Spinnerack. The Daily Crosshatch, and Best American Comics. Only Skin is a grim exploration of the hallucinatory and tragic landscape of modern rural America as seen through the eyes of a pair of orphaned siblings searching for answers in a world filled with terrible, terrible questions. And then from Hermes Press, Tales Soft Cover Volume 1 of 3 by Ethan Young, $15.99. Quirky, Funny, and Surreal, Tales follows the semi-autobiographical exploits of hapless and hopeless hipster cartoonist Ethan. He uses his comic book creation Crusader Cat to get away from the real world, and things get interesting when his escapist work starts to talk back to him. Poignant, funny, and daring, Tales is an unflinching portrait of a believable character as he starts to fall into the abyss of an unbelievable world, with the results ranging from hilarious to heartbreaking. So these last two are just works that caught my eye. Sean Ford, I believe, was an artist that was at Super Show, one the last Super Show. And Tales, from the cover and the little artwork that I saw, looked like something that I would want to read. So I, I put those on the list. We have from DC, Fables issue 120, celebrating ten, that 10-year anniversary there. And Scalped 60 is the final issue of that series. Swamp Thing Volume 1, $14.99 trade paperback, Raise Them Bones by Scott Snyder. Collects the first seven issues of the DC New 52 Swamp Thing title, featuring the war between the green and the red, one of the titles of the reboot that really found a lot of success and a lot of critical acclaim, so check that one out. The two standouts of this New Comics Wednesday, first one being Invisible's Omnibus Hardcover for $150.00. I believe it was supposed to ship either last week or the week before that. This collects everything. <laughs> Invisibles Volume 1, Invisibles Volume 2, Invisibles Volume 3, Stories from Absolute Vertigo 1, and Vertigo Winter's Edge Number 1. 
by Grant Morrison and a whole slew of artists. And it's all about the Invisibles, a secret organization out to battle the physical and psychic oppression brought upon humanity by the interdimensional alien gods of the Archons of Outer Church. You do not go into this passively. <laughs> uh, I started Invisibles with Volume 2, actually, at the time, because I was a Phil Jimenez fan, and he was the artist on that book for the, for the second volume. And he did issues in the first volume as well. So I started picking him up with Volume 2, and stuck with it all the way through Volume 2, Volume 3, collected the back, the back issues for Volume 1. I've read this series multiple times in multiple ways, meaning I would start reading Volume 1 and get through volume, some of Volume 2, and then I would stop, and then I would jump into Volume 3, and then sort of it wouldn't all connect, and then I would have to go back again, and I figure, what the heck, let me get this omnibus, because, you know, I need another big book on my shelf. Even though I have all the issues, I'm curious to see what it looks like in this big omnibus. I, I got it at a discount from DCBS when it was initially solicited. And it's this is probably the most challenging work out there, other than, say, something like From Hell, Cerebus. Um, it's, it's really an amazing personal work. And something that every time I read it, I certainly get a lot of that, a lot out of it because there's a lot of things that I don't understand in it, but that I slowly start to learn more every time I read it a few years later. And then I, and then I sort of understand something even more, whether it's because I've learned a little bit more about Grant Morrison's writing or just about life in general or the stuff he's talking about. And not to say that I find it confusing, it's just, it's it's deep, and it has a lot of twisting turns and things that are brought back from earlier issues uh, into later issues. And it's good, you know, it's good. It's something that I, I it's hard to say that, I don't really want to say it's good, I just want to say I really enjoy reading it. The reading experience is unlike anything else. And then finally, Glamour Puss number 26, it's the final issue by Dave Sim. In my Feedback Friday from last week, I wanted to include an email from Don L. He had this to say about Glamour Puss. I was pleasantly surprised to hear you include Glamour Puss in your top five list of current comics. I'm a recent convert to Sim's work, although I read a few early volumes of Cerebus years ago and liked them, but never continued on. And I thoroughly enjoy Glamour Puss as well. It's interesting, informative, weird, and unique. From what I understand, however, this next issue will be the last. Apparently, Sim will conclude the death of Al Williamson stuff in an original graphic novel. It's from his email that I learned that issue 26 would be the last one, and I did not know that he was going to continue on with uh, an original graphic novel, so that's cool. Uh, I'll continue on here. He says... Also, though, it'd be going too far for me to say that I've gotten my girlfriend into comics via Glamour Puss... I have been able to get her to read several issues, and we've had long discussions about them. She likes the fashion parodies, and more often than not, finds Sim's critiques of feminism to be spot on. However, my girlfriend, she thinks, and I agree, that oftentimes Sim ascribes the failings and imperfections of feminist theories as if they were the failings and imperfections of natural femininity. Still, personally, since misogyny means hatred of women... I don't think Sim is a misogynist. I don't think he hates women, but is rather just really, really fixated on certain themes. Reading through Cerebus and Glamourpus, it does make a lot of sense to me that Sim would have been diagnosed as borderline schizophrenic, 
but when his psychology manifests itself in such creative ways, devising a theory that Al Williamson's car crash was the result of feminism as filtered through the spirit of Margaret Mitchell, I can't complain at all. Lastly, there's this upcoming book which I wanted to bring to your attention. Apparently, it's being published with Sims Blessing, and he provided a link to Amazon. It's called Dave Sims' Last Girlfriend. I didn't know about this one either. And the blurb for this is, No figure in comics has been as polarizing as Dave Sim. His long-running series, Cerebus the Aardvark, is seen as one of the singular accomplishments in the history of the form. He has been a champion of self-publishing and of creator rights, but his unorthodox worldviews on religion and feminism, oft espoused within the pages of his comics, are seen as regressive by many and have alienated a large swath of his audience. In these pages, you'll see direct reproductions of the faxes and letters exchanged between Dave and his last and final girlfriend. From the sweet, tender moments to the painful throes of breaking up, these unfiltered, unedited letters will give you a seat on the roller coaster this couple rode right off the tracks. That just sounds really kind of interesting. So it is a book coming out in November, uh, so you'll have to take a look for that if that sounds interesting. Uh, Don also included in a later email, he said, If you ever do a Cerebus reread, let me know what you think. I enjoyed High Society and Church and State for the first time uh, the first time I read them, but it was my reread of them a month ago, a month or so ago, in light of enjoying Glamorpus so much, that made me decide to buy and read the whole series. Some of Reed's was a bit of a slog, with Sim becoming unnecessarily autobiographical in the lengthy text pieces, but now I'm nearing the end of Volume 14, Form and Void, and I'm still really enjoying it. I honestly can't think of anything else in my comics reading to compare it to. I'm not saying it's the best comic ever, but I find myself at a place where it's almost frustratingly impossible to compare Cerebus to Watchmen or Sandman or anything else, because Cerebus is just so much longer and multifaceted. I guess the closest comparison would be the Sandman one, but Cerebus is so much more sprawling and layered, I guess. Which is saying something, since Sandman is quite layered as well. I agree. Like I said with Invisibles, it's kind of hard to pinpoint Cerebus and try to put them in a neat box for someone uh, to wrap their brains around. It's something that you just have to experience, I believe. It's one of those books, like Invisibles, like some other works, that you should really experience on your own. Uh, not bring any expectation, not bring any hype to it. Just bring yourself and open your mind and see what you get out of it. I certainly think Cerebus is one of those books that if you are a cartoonist, if you are a co- one, uh, you know, you want to be a comic book creator, a comic book artist, you'd be a fool not to look at Cerebus. Even if you don't read it, just look at it and see what he does with the comic page. Cerebus exists on the comic page more so than most other comics out there. Um, he uses the page, he uses the comic medium to the fullest extent, and it's just interesting. From from the words, to the backgrounds, to the images, to the sound effects, everything about Cerebus is like a cartoonist's how-to guide. It's not a superhero cartoonist guide, but it is a comics cartoonist guide, and certainly you can add, I feel, you should add a lot of that to superhero comics if you want to be in superhero comics. It doesn't mean you always have to stay so rigid within panels and the way other people do it, you know, this, um, look at Bill Sienkiewicz, I mean, he drew superhero comics, and he drew them his way, so, 
I think of it like that. It's not something that I want to just label the greatest work, just like Don talked about, and same thing with Invisibles. It's something that I believe people should just experience for themselves. And if you don't want to experience it, you don't want to take the ride, great, fine. That's that's your that's your choice. So there you go. That's it for New Comics Wednesday. Uh, just want to let everyone know that the Send Julian Lytle to Morrison Con fundraiser has one more week to go. Molly Danger Kickstarter by Jamal Eigel only has eight days to go as I record this. Uh, and uh, I will be at SPX September 15th and 16th, so if anybody's going, let me know. You can reach me at peter at thedailyrios.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios. Leave a comment on the website, thedailyrios.com. Leave a comment on iTunes. Subscribe through iTunes, and I'll be very, very happy. All right, it is New Comics Wednesday. It is hump day. What's not to love? <laughs>